Kia ora Aotearoa, welcome to Rebet Live. My name is Rebet Hollis. How, think about that, Rebet, Rebet Live. Uh, I couldn't... I couldn't think of anything else. I'm sorry, Tim. We just had to try and keep it simple. I've got a small brain. Anyway, welcome to the show. Today, FM, you can download this on your, on your smartphone app, on Rover, if you're listening, wherever you're at, uh, or you can just uh, search for the hashtag, hashtag RobertLive, R-O-B-E-T-T, live. It's not Robert. It's not Robey. It's not Robeat. It's Robert. Robert. And I'll tell you what, I have, I don't, maybe I should talk about this more. My name is actually Robert from my grandparents, Ron and Betty. They put it together, Ron, Betty, Robert. There you go. That's where it comes from. Welcome to the show. We talk about this intersection of creativity and commerce and culture and community and usually a little bit of content because I love the media game and so much more. Simple concept of the show. Learn, share, repeat. I've got a little wristband I wear. It says uh, learn, share, repeat on it. The simple goal with this is who can we talk to that's smarter than ourselves? What can we dig into that they know a lot about that we potentially don't? And how can we pass that on to others? That's the point of the show. And for years to come, when people are listening to this, regardless where we're at or what we're doing, I hope that the learnings in this will help many for a long time to come. That is part of the gift that all these weapons are given to the world by jumping on the show. If uh, I hope your week has gone awesome. I'm not sure uh, where you've been or what you've been doing, but I hope you've been staying safe, staying out of mischief, staying out of trouble, unlike me. I, I won't be staying out of trouble. You, you know me well enough by now, team. I'll be doing the various things that I do to get me in various types of trouble that I do. It's just how I do. I'm sorry, team. Um, today on the show, I'm excited to be talking to Pablo Kraus. He is the CEO of Echo Store. You've heard of it. You know about it. He's a young weapon and he's in charge. So we're going to be digging into a little bit of that as well. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Pablo Kraus, the CEO of Echo Store. Rock and roll. Morena Pablo, how are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you very much for um, taking the opportunity to have a chat. What do you mean taking the opportunity? We go, but I'm not some flipping PR, mate. We go back flipping way back to the days. Do you need me to bring up the early days of Shreetown? Do you need me to bring up the mullets and the, and the goggle tan? Do you, what do you, where do we need to start with this thing? So maybe I'll start here. When you're a young buck shredder on the slopes of Mount Hutt and traveling the world and doing whatever that you're doing in, in the snow game, did you ever think that you'd fast forward 20 or so years and both of us would be here, you as the big dog there, and then me as the little dog half around the side of the world. H how much of a crazy journey has this last 20 years been, my friend? Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I remember the first time I met you was down at the snow show, whenever it was, 20 years ago, and they had this little gym set up. And I remember going, wow, like seeing you, popping up 279, flipping around sideways, backwards, center, and me coming out of that absolutely, like, and I was keen as snowboarder and keen to fire through as well. And I was able to pop my switch 279, 180 on the jib, and then 27 off. And so I was very stoked to have stomped that. Um, but I, I've, I guess I started out, you know, I've always been really creative and snowboarding is probably one way to express that. Um, I've always been into art and painting and drawing and, that's kind of, I guess, where I, I kind of always just followed, followed what I what I enjoyed and what I liked to do, and that's kind of led me to where I am. So, but how does that journey go from like creativity into commerce at such a, a layer? Because most of the time you get to the top, you know, MD, CEO, whatever, you know, they don't look like us, right? <laughs> And so it feels in the last five to ten, five years, we've seen this big switch in what leadership looks like, how people roll, what they, how they communicate, just everything. 
How has that journey from creativity morphed and managed to get yourself to the spot we are in today? Where I'm imagining there's probably a flippin' only handful that I could almost count in all of Aotearoa that's in a position like that for your age and how and where you've come from with your role. So talk me through that journey of creativity into into commerce and still being creative in many respects, but also up the food chain so so young, so quick, and now being one of the new leaders in business. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I've always sort of followed my passion and what I've really what's interest what's interested me and what I've been excited about. And you know, initially it was skateboarding and skating and then getting into film and actually starting to, you know, shoot short videos and, you know, joking around with mates, doing all that, you know, sort of fun stuff. Um, and I originally actually wanted to become a film editor. So I actually um, finished school and I went to Vancouver Film School. And like Premier 6.5? What was that, Premier 6.5? Is that where you were you rolling? <laughs> yeah. And I was, um, I was driven by the fact that I was in Vancouver and I'd go snowboarding all the time. Um, and I did foundation visual art and design, which kind of everything. So I did everything from 3, 3D animation, 2D animation, drawing, life drawing, bit of acting, um, motion graphics, and flash development and uh, web development. Um, and ended up doing like 80 hour work weeks at school with, um, there uh, because I absolutely loved it, you know, staying up all night at school and, you know, doing all that fun stuff. And I didn't actually end up snowboarding as much as I thought I would. Uh, so I was very thankful to finish that year and then have a couple of months off and used to go up to the mountain every, you know, three, four day long weekends and sneak into hotels for a shower and stuff and um, got my snowboarding fixed there. But then I followed on and I went to digital design. I got really into motion graphics as well as interactive experiences. And it's kind of like, you know, making cool experiences for people was what I really quite enjoyed. So I got actually into flash development, became a web developer. And I first did a, did a short contract in Vancouver after I left there. And then I came back to New Zealand and worked for a media agency for two or three years, making touchscreen applications, you know, things like we, met, we built this like Shook mirror, bathroom mirror that would go around to malls and things. And you could have a live stream of your face and you, you put a put this beard on you can shave your own face and send that to yourself and put it on social media so that was quite cool um, so i continued to do that and then i guess i got to a point um i started freelancing and i worked for around a few different other agencies i went back to canada with my ex-girlfriend at the time and did some more contract work up there and then that all sort of finished and I came back and it was around then some point my dad said, you know, do you want to come and work in the family business? And I was like, you know, I never necessarily planned or intended to come and work in the family business or work with the old man, but um, it was like, it was a point where I was like, well, actually, I'm really interested in business. I'm really interested in understanding, you know, how this whole commerce and how the, how the, how the whole world sort of works. And I've been probably my head down in the creative side so much. and. Um, was you know dad kind of wanted to bring my creative spirit and stuff into the business and i became a director across you know a number of family businesses and had some really cool mentors and business managers around um, to kind of learn about business about people and how how things work and about six five six years into that um the role at eco store came up and the first dad said well why don't you run it and i said I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. And it made me scared and nervous, which was actually probably a really good, good thing and good feeling. So, um, 
few months after that, I said, yeah, you know what, I'm ready. I'm, I'll do it. And um, was very thankful to have good support and also had built up, you know, the trust with the people, employees was a big part of, you know, um, hiring a number of the key people as well through that, through those prior years. So um, I did manage to have the respect coming into the role and um, the confidence to understand how the business already worked. Um, yeah, and I guess the key thing was actually having really good people that, you know, know a lot more than you about their various roles. So um, it was great to have that family tie within a family business um, to some cool people. But to that, to that point, many, many of those that get in the game of business, their circle isn't tight and the circle that's around them, the conversations are usually more blah bullshit than actual stuff which kind of thing like I remember you know when I was 18 I was trying to talk to 40 year olds when I was 20 I'm trying to talk to 50 year olds when I'm 25 I'm trying to talk to 60 year olds and I, I, I was so clear that I could spend five hours just talking shit with the boys about some bullshit whatever blah, blah blah or man if I get access to this flipping weapon and then they can help me with some stuff I'm going to learn so much fun. And what I actually found is my conversations around my age group for uh, quite a long amount of time was so different. And I was, I almost like was magnetized to, to where I wanted to potentially get to or the experience. Talk to me about, you know, the, the circle of um, like access to intellect that you've been able to have, because not many people get those things and being able to get that younger, it feels like when you go through so much more sooner, it's almost like you get to fast forward through life experience, seeing it all sort of play out, but being close and being sort of navigated. Like how have you navigated, I guess like mentorship or circles or those with experience to help you on your journey to date? Mm. I guess, um, you know, I was lucky enough. Well, I, I, did, I had older siblings, you know, that were probably, I was, my older sister was seven years older and then my older brothers actually, I hate to say it, he's like 25 years older than me, um, sort of a family story. But, um, and I guess I was always intrigued, you know, as a teenager and hanging out with older siblings. And I got to a point, you know, I just, I kind of wanted to hang out with them because I was having more fun in the conversation with them. So I've always had the, the older conversations and growing up, still had my boys and had my fun and stuff. But it was definitely, like you said, quite a different dynamic. But then also I dragged my mates into that and my mates are hanging out with my older brother and we're having, you know, hanging out and it was, that was quite cool. So I guess always sort of been drawn to or hanging out with sort of older people. And now, you know, I've always said to myself that like age is just a number. And, and I feel like in some ways it comes back to my youth when my, um, when my parents were separated, when I was, I think like seven or eight years old and, you know, I was torn. I didn't not really know what was going on. I was like, well, I want you, I basically want, I just wish you guys get back together kind of thing. Um, but I remember, you know, mum, saying to me, she said, look, Pablo, you, you choose what, what you want to do, you know? And she gave me, she goes, I guess she empowered me to be able to make calls from a very young age and say, like, what do you want to do? And um, I kind of try to think that, you know, I, I remember that memory and that anyone I speak to now, whether it's young or older, you know, they've got that ability to, to think for themselves and make those calls. So, you know, I ended up going and live with dad for a year in the Bay of Islands with uh, uh, his partner and his two two other kids who were basically my the two other kids who were like my age, which was awesome. Went to Kirikiri Primary, which was um, grounding in itself and really cool. And ended up doing even a couple of weeks at Team at I, um, which was a good experience. But I guess yeah, so that's kind of I guess probably where my founded founding of 
hanging out and listening to older people, but then having, you know, being ex being accepted in as a director across the family businesses and having um, uh, Barry Wallace's dad's um, sort of financial officer director um, has been with him for over 20 years now, having the experience as an older older guy looking at experience, should I say, <laughs> um, looking at businesses, you know, looking at acquisitions or going through things as well. Um, and just having, you know, when I first started as CEO at EcoStore, you know, more than everybody in the team, my leadership team were older than me. Um, and I totally respect that. And that was, that's why those people are in those roles because they're a lot more smart than I am, you know, whether it's supply chain manufacturing or, or marketing um, and being able to tap into that and learning a lot from my team, you know, along the way as well, like, because you can't, you never really should give up learning. I don't think it's a, the, one of the biggest life skills I feel like is learning how to learn and being able to learn and being open to that. So, What's well, that constant curiosity to do it, right? So then uh, it was an interesting segue that I wanted to get into there, Pablo, is when age walks in a room in a position of power, when there's hierarchy in place, the dynamic can change real flipping quick with how it was done to how it does and the optics of how to do it. So then obviously the dynamic within obviously a family business, but then also because you then earn your stripes within it as well. That is a massive, massive challenge that many, many people face that don't have those either relationships, whatever, and they basically walk in and it's just target from sort of day number one. How, talk to me about the dynamics of the team at the exec level or how you've navigated as a leader, leader for people that literally, some of them I'm sure could be like, I could be your father type stuff, but then you've got to be like, yeah, but you know, just knock out this or do that or whatever. How, how do you strategically think about the way you operate as a young leader with the exec level with others that are actually like literally older than you? Mm. Um, I guess it's interesting. I never really had the someone trying to exert their power within my team, or you know, feel like they're better than you because they've, I've maybe I've somehow earned the respect through authenticity and trying to be open and honest. Um, and I think when I have been in a room where someone is arrogant or feels like they know more than you, it's actually better just to play it cool and go, well, you know what, you can have the, you can have the show and talk, but ultimately I can see straight through you, mate. Like, um. So to, to that point, how critically vital has it been to have an EQ radar for reading people in a situation where everyone knows the title, so they try to get close because of what you do, not who you are? Mm. Incredible. I think EQ is hugely important. Like, you need to kind of, you need to be able to talk to people and read people and see, you know, what their, you know, most everyone's got their own agenda and ultimately, you know, one way or another, people are all trying to do something for themselves, whether it's trying to actually just be good for everyone, they're actually doing that to make themselves better in a way, right? Um, but you've got to be, surround yourself with people with ethics and morals that you believe in, whatever that, whatever that is. And um, yeah. How do you navigate? Do you have a do you have a working system of how you like to communicate for others? Like, do you how do you like how would you how do you feel about the style of how you roll with what you do? Are you um, like what does that what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I've often felt like I'm sort of introverted extrovert, so I've kind of 
I've, I like to sort of keep my mouth shut a little bit and kind of listen um, and hear other people, but then I sometimes reflect and I've been in a meeting and I go, oh shit, actually, you know, I speak a lot more than I thought. And, um, but ultimately it's about listening, I think is key. Are there key, what key questions do you ask when you're trying to learn more, or figure out what other people are up to? You know, like you've, you've probably got a bit of a framework of how you try to navigate these things. How, how do you sort of, how do you sort of work through that process when you're dealing with hundreds, if not thousands of people? Mm. I think um, often I can find myself having, you know, to it's a coffee side chat, we're having a drink with someone, it's always a small talk. And somehow I've managed to navigate myself to like really deep questions quite quickly. I don't know if that happens to you, but like you're like, hold on, like, how are we talking about this? And you actually start to really go, well, this person's actually really cool. And like, you know, you, your bond grows way quicker once you get to those deeper sort of questions. Yeah. I can't think of any examples, but I've, you know, it's often sort of happened like that, I guess. Now, is that, is that, to get to that level quick, that's something that um, I have uh, also noticed like multiple times with a bunch of different relationships where, you know, like I've, I could maybe have met someone once a couple of years ago, but I'd still say they're like a kind of a good homie today. And it's like, yeah, man, flipping, mm. because you get you get deep real quick, right? There's something in that mm. with, with that, and, I, and maybe to your point, Pablo, about, is it about the listening or the energy, or maybe it's, you know, you showing a bit more vulnerability to a bit that maybe others haven't seen, yeah. and then that kind of, that sort of plugs across. The dynamics of that, I, I'm just always so intrigued by, because as soon as, you know, you get a title and you've got position and power and influence or whatever, you know, I was talking, who was I talking to? I was at a, um, that's why I was at this kind of funky conference thing and I met one of the, the high up politicians in the land and, um, uh, you know, you know, few little wines talking, whatever. And I said, how shit is your life actually where every single room you walk into, everyone knows the power dynamic and they're all putting on a game. And he goes, dude, that is the biggest thing that is the hardest thing for for my life everywhere i walk especially in wellington you know wellington everywhere you walk everyone knows the structure so you walk into any situation and he, he said it feels it feels like everyone's like like acting you know mm. everyone's putting the show and do, then yeah. but how do you get to that point to your thing of like how do you get depth when it's all a facade how do you get past and yeah. break that down you know and it must be such a tough must a t tough thing to do when you think about think, the yeah. um so go yeah, no, I just think like, it's interesting, like, you know, when our kids started at school and, you know, meeting some of the other parents and like when on school camp, you know, I love to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, talking to one of my mates, like really good, good mate. No, he's like, like you're, he's like, you're so different to what I, you know, put you in, in this sort of, you know, box, like, you know, this, you know, you're the CEO, you've got a, you know, good looking guy with his nice family and da da da, like, you know, sort of blushing and I'm just a, another dude you know and, um it's interesting the perception of that people have and i think perception is a really interesting it's almost a power it's a power dynamic but it's like i have always somewhat been intrigued by you know what how people can perceive you by maybe a comment you say that might not necessarily be you because you're kind of being silly or something and that can hang on to them for you know weeks years months before they months or years and then they meet you and they go you're quite different to what I thought. Like once you get to that, you have, you chat for a few minutes and you start to ask some, you know, interesting questions. <laughs> I know the feeling well, my friend, about being judged externally without people understanding the depth of what I'm actually thinking about. So I concur, but yours is in a way more, you know, commercial, proper, you know, structured sort of place. Does that feel, 
Do you feel internal tension or frustration at times when you walk in and then you have to feel like you then know that you're being judged because you're the dot, dot, dot? Do you know what I mean? Like, does it become like a bit like kind of copy paste? Here we go again. I'm not saying like copy paste, roll out, whatever, but more the fact of you're, you're very self-aware of the dynamics at play in terms of leadership and age and, and optics. So then how do you navigate the tension of what that looks like to what that feels like to actually how it exudes and, and goes out into the world? Um, I'm not quite sure how to answer that, but I know like, you know, examples of someone coming in to meet me in the office um, who might be the CEO from a supplier or somewhere they go, oh, you're, you're a lot younger than I thought you were. <laughs> Um, and then you go through, you chat and you talk to them and, you know, you come out the other end and, um, you know, oh, so really great to meet you. You obviously know exactly what you're doing. You're really, you know, you know where the company's going and you're like, oh, like, and you take that as a compliment, right? And you're like, well, yeah. No, nah, see, I take that as an insult. You obviously know. I'd be like, <laughs> stuff you. I'm not here because I'm flipping, you know, just copy. Yeah, stuff that. Now, nah, anyway, but once again, that's why you're yeah. CEO and I'm just the misfit on the sides. So I want to talk about balance off for a second. So at the start, you were... You've obviously been creatively driven. There's not many that get to see suites that are full, like creative women. You're talking about video editing, design, tech, AR, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. How have you navigated the tension between creativity versus commerce as you're obviously now living in a pretty commercial world, but the heart and the, and, and the pull strings go to a place of um, where most people are probably usually broke with not much power because they just want to do creative cool shit. <laughs> How have you navigated the tension of creativity versus commerce? Well, I think when I initially changed into business and commerce, I guess, um, I started to probably forget a little bit about the creative side and you kind of, but then also, I guess, through that time, you know, I got, I had a family, I started getting into uh, cooking and I, I cook, do most of the cooking at home just because I love to do the cooking. So make an effort to get home and cook. Mate, you're a flipping that... dreamboat, mate. Look at you, flipping your cook, <laughs> you're clean, you're flipping doing your thing. Oh, jeez. Okay, go on, just stop. I, I bet you also run triathlons, don't you, mate, you flipping bastard? What, do you, what else are you doing? I've done a, mar <laughs> done a marathon before. Oh, you bloody would. You're flipping that guy. Anyway, continue. Sorry, sorry, I digress. Cooking, um, yes. But yeah, in a way that I guess, that, you know, come home and it's almost like a meditational zen. Like, I don't like people helping me because I kind of just get to put my stuff in my place and kind of get to be creative there. But like I said, I, I, I kind of forgot that creative essence of it. And uh, one year I made an effort. I said, all right, I'm going to draw every single day this year. And that's what I'm going to do. And I ended up, you know, drawing every day, but then I'd have like a pause for a couple of weeks or something like that. But what I made, I made an effort to catch up and do 14 drawings that night and sit down and have a whiskey and go, all right, do this and um, do drawings. Um, and I wanted to bring that back. And, you know, we've gone to build it, redoing the website and stuff. And it's been a real different dynamic because normally I'd be on the tools doing it and that's what kind of I really enjoyed it because it's like it's problem solving in itself and I guess that creativity creativity of coding is somewhat problem solving which can be really relatable to business in a sense as well and you're going well okay so how do we work through this you know how do we work through this challenge what can we do differently um, and what I have you know really enjoyed about taking on the role of EcoStore was you know there's there's days you're coming into work on Monday and you know you've got some shit you need to deal with or shit you need to do. And you're like, I was like excited and looking forward to it because I wanted to go through this experience, which might've been a new experience, even though it's a really shit experience. And I like to go through all life experiences, whether it's, you know, so 
if one is a weird one, you know, if you had the choice to have pimples or not as a teenager, would you have them? Like I probably would have had, I probably still have them because I wanted to go through the experience of doing something like that. Um, and you kind of got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's sort of cliche, but that's what drives growth and learning to be fair. Right. And there's nothing wrong with making mistakes because we all make mistakes. It's just mm. don't dwell on them. Just learn from them, I guess. So interesting insight there. You set yourself a mental task of the drawings. You give it a miss for two weeks. And then to play catch up so you mentally don't feel like you bitched out, you then went and did 14 again. So that drives straight down to the point of consistency and commitment and determination and grit or mentally saying that you're going to do flipping something so you go and do the thing. When yeah. you think about your internal drivers for it, what are the things that you are telling yourself when you go into all these things? Like, you know, to that point, you're saying, I want to experience that so I can dot, dot, dot. How, what, how does your headspace talk to yourself when you choose to do the things that you do? Um, not quite sure how to answer that. I guess I, I, I want to do things. So then I, I, I guess that's where the, passion of follow follow what you kind of want to do and your heart goes and then you let something slip whether it's like the consistency thing you're like well you know what i said i'm going to draw a picture every single day this year so i'm drawing 365 pictures this year so i'm going all right i'm going to make it up if i didn't manage to do it because i missed it because i had to work late or whatever that night and then you kind of lose your role then i'm going to i'm going to sit down and make i made a conscious effort to try and bring creativity back into my life so i said all right i'm going to do that and that was an internal driver of want and I knew that it wasn't necessarily a commercial or business driver but I knew it would have flow on effects um, and that's why I stuck to it with that consistency and so the cooking I, is yeah. the cook the cooking is meditation for you the integrating you were self-aware enough to realize that you need to integrate creativity back into it but that insight around the consistency versus commitment if that's something that you're telling yourself that obviously translates into the work life as well and then they're going to know that yeah. what you say you're going to do like so there, there is something there right how do you feel about the crossover between that headspace of what that means to an organization when you've got that type of consistency or commitment with what it means to staff yeah no 100 i mean it's the you know, what was it? one of the things that Tim Ferriss like said, you know, first thing you do in the morning, make your bed every day because you set yourself up for success. So that's one little task that you've got. I've done a great job. Like, you know, you know, you've completed one thing and then you get that momentum and you complete more and more and you get that consistency. Um, and having that through your work life and through, you know, share, you know, you've got to lead by example, I feel like, you know, you can't tell people what to do. So if I'm coming into work every day, I'm always on time. You know, not letting people down, then that consistency should flow through um, mm. people and team and that passion. Because, you know, I've, we're at EcoSoft, people come and tap on our shoulders. They go, well, you know, I've just come from Unilever in the UK running big business over here. I want to come and work at EcoStore. So we've got these really passionate, incredible people that actually want to come and work at EcoStore because they're so excited about what we're doing um, that they that they come in and lead by example. You know, we've got couple two of our two of my team the leadership team been with us for over 15 years you know one's a supply chain guy and the other one's our r d r d person and it's because they well one story is um tony our supply chain guy, you know he said you know 30, i'm gonna say like 30 years ago young kids and he was saying you know 
climate change. He was talking to people at dinner parties and things, and everyone thought that he was an absolute lunatic. There was no, nothing going on. But he, he said to himself, look, I don't want to be here in 30, 40 years' time and have my kids say to me, you knew about climate change and you didn't do anything about it. So that's what's like an internal passion and driver. It gets him to come to work every single day. And in the same way, he, he's able to balance um, commercial realities versus what we're actually trying to achieve as EcoSort and um, trying to be a holistically sustainable company. But he's passionate and driven by that because his own internal um, morals and ethics are going, well, yeah, I had a shot, so I've done everything, everything I can to make that happen. Well, that's trying to figure out to make sure you don't have that future regret for yourself with what you could be doing. But to that point, you know, if you're getting these big, massive global weapons that are wanting to come and work for you, it's like, yeah, I could be doing blah, 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 and scaling out for this quantity thing. Basically, then it's like, no, I'm choosing to come here. I want to be here. This is making an impact, blah, blah, blah. So obviously the the North Star of the organization is 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 clear and true and known, known for many. But to, the question I want to go to Pablo is, what is the commercial magnet for the staff that is making them want to go to your company specifically what's the secret source behind the story behind the story that makes global weapons want to come to a local market it's because it's a we're, we're a purpose-driven organization right so people more and more you know especially the younger generation are wanting to work at companies that are actually making an impact so that's what makes them get out of bed. They go, well, I, I want to work at EcoStore because they're actually trying to do something cool. They're not faking it. They have, they've been doing this for 30 years now, you know, um, they're not trying to sell out. They're not bought out by some other big company just because they, they believe that that's the trend right now. Um, we're not putting out new products because that's the, that's the new trend. We've been doing this right from the beginning. So that's what drives people and these awesome, you know, people that have worked at these some of the bigger companies and taking those amazing skill sets that they have learned and experience and going, well, you know, this, you know, little old eco store in New Zealand, I want to help them take it to the world. So. So to, to that point, you're talking about taking it to the world, you, you, you're going into this world of scalability. When you think strategically around how you'll differentiate to the market going from local to global to try and make it bigger and better, how are you thinking about it differently of how business was done to potentially how business could be done? How do you approach that mentally? How, from how it was done to how it is. I mean, we, we, we need to upskill hugely here in New Zealand to be able to take it to the global level. You know, everything from quality to how you're talking to consumers and um, taking, you know, New Zealand, which is lucky enough to be one of the countries where most of the, most of the, most of the country actually does travel and gets out and opens up to their bubble and being able to take their world experiences and, and bring it to New Zealand to drive and grow that. Um, what was the question? No, 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 we're just going local to global with, with the headspace. Yeah, local you know, like to taking global, it out yeah. Because that, that's a, um, there's not many in New Zealand that have successfully been able to do it, but there needs, if it's clear with the North, like if you're getting global talent to come to a local market, and then mm. if you've got a clear North Star that can obviously grow, there are not many New Zealand businesses who either, I don't know if it's the aspiration, maybe not aspiration or the ability or capability to be able to do it. When you think about taking New Zealand to the world, where does your, where does your head go to? Like, how do you elevate that up bigger? Like, what are, what are the mm. things do you think about when you go, we want to be, you know, like, how yeah. do you, elevate that chat from the board level all the way down to the, to the basement 
Yeah. So purpose purpose driven, you know, we're safe for you. We want to make products that are safe for you, your family and our world. How do we do that? We make by making using safer ingredients. So for us, EcoStore, it's about making more sustainable products. So I want EcoStore to be known as the most sustainable health driven brand in the world. And that doesn't necessarily mean the biggest sales in the world. I want people in Germany to go, Hey, you know, EcoStore, they're the absolute best products that I can use in my house I know are better for the environment for the world. I can't get them here, but that's that's what I know that that on that um that awareness around it. And as EcoStore does grow and we are, you know, get scalable, you know, fifty percent of our business is here in New Zealand and fifty percent offshore, so with the bulk of it in Australia, um, China and Japan and then predominantly through South Southeast Asia. But as we scale, you know, we're gonna actually have to start manufacturing a market to stay true to our purpose, to be um, you know, we're not shipping stuff all the way around the world. Um, we are gonna be made in China one day, we are gonna be made in Japan or wherever it is, um, because we we wanna stick to making products that are safe for the environment, so that we aren't, you know, increasing our carbon footprint. Um, and doing these things. And that's going to be the probably interesting because as we have grown in popularity through Asia, people have gone, well, it's New Zealand, clean green New Zealand. So I know that for us to maintain our brand globally, um, we're actually going to have to be bigger than New Zealand because we're going to have to accept the fact that we, we're going to stick true to our purpose and make products in these markets to become more affordable and become more accessible. So to, to that, the thinking around it's from New Zealand, so it's good and it's green, but if it's doing better for the world, there's obviously going to be the, you know, you, you don't want to obviously have that hypocritical layer because then you're spending, you know, a thousand bucks to go send this bottle of soap or whatever. In a weird way, is that kind of a ninja move where you get to bring the ethos of something that you believe into another market that actually it tells a more native story organically because then you literally start building and doing there? So you, it's almost like you, you're you sending off the, the, the signature and the footprint of what you represent mm. into that market and part of that story actually builds it out. Is that part of it? Yeah, totally. And it's about somewhat building tribes, you know, there's eco-warriors within these other markets. and. You know, we've got a joint venture in Japan. We've got a team um, that works in our joint venture up there with our, and they're mostly, most employees come from our partner. But those guys, you know, it's so infectious when they get passionate about EcoStore that it kind of grows this little, this little tribal army of people that, you know, grows and it's been, you know, year on year, quite huge, good growth in, in Japan as a result. And it's, you know, part of that is um, the culture and taking that, purpose of eco store and having everyone get passionate and excited about it. yeah you know, these little satellite places around the world so in terms of balance i wanted to get back as well i remember seeing a photo of um day one when barack obama got in to day end when he left and he looked like the dude aged 30 flipping years holy so obviously he was smashing some hours out in your early career you're doing the same how much do you work now and how do you balance your time now? Um, you're kind of always working, um, whether you're on holiday or not. But I guess what I try to really do, and my wife works full-time as well um, with her own business, but we, I try to protect the time that from in the morning, getting the kids ready for school, sending them to school, and then back home by six so that I can cook dinner, hang out with the family, and hang out with the kids and put them to bed. In the same way, I'll try to protect my weekends as much as possible 
So if I have to travel for work, I try to leave Sunday night if possible and be back before the next weekend so that you can spend that time because, you know, and recently I've had to travel a couple of times for work and it's probably been real different to the kids because they haven't seen us, um, haven't, haven't traveled for, uh, you know, the last three years. And they're like, well, when you, you know, you never hang around anymore. It's like, well, I only went away for like a week and a week at a different time, but then I went over the top and now, I, you know, I make a real effort to hang out with my family and the kids um, when we're together. So it makes that time more special and important as well for, for me personally um, mm. as well. But in the same way, you've got to, it's about balance. So, you know, you've got to not just look after your kids. If you've got a wife, partner, make sure you spend alone time with them as well as time with just the kids and then as well as time as a family. So it's kind of quite a joke, but then you've got work and stuff and work is exciting and passionate as well. Um, certain people are built like for certain said, things. Yes, I am things not built to, do, to sit there and do, do nothing. Some people are not built to do these things. When you fast forward, let's say, you know, you've been extremely fortunate to get access to smart people early in rooms really good really soon to help you um, like kind of fast forward your experience path. When you think of yourself as a new young leader that's, that's doing big things in Aotearoa, when you fast forward 20 years from here, what do you think 2044 Pablo looks like? Um, I'd like to continue to grow and build something that will be successful and impacts people. And it comes back to probably about people being able to experience something cool. And I'm able to do that with EcoStore. Um, I probably look around and I'd like to probably have some governance roles where I'm actually help, able to help out um, some other probably smaller companies, maybe a bigger company or two as well. And, you know, I don't know if I'd call it mentorship, but I'd like to help aspiring younger leaders coming through as well. Um, and support them. And I can imagine if I look 20 years ahead now from EcoStore, it's going to be a whole different beast. And the only way for us to evolve and change is to have the younger generations that have grown up throughout the different time periods and, you know, learning from them. So I'm not, I'm not probably always going to be the, the leader at the top. Um, and there's always going to be the somewhat changing, um, lead changing of the guard. So um for me to be fulfilled in 20 years time would be to have built and grown something and had some fun with the with both business and be able to finally go out and hang out with my kids as adults be pretty cool travel the world <laughs> no i get that the um the dynamic of you being a young leader now fast forwarding 20 if you're the new breed of the new leaders I think the tone of what that sets in an organization for those younger to see what the future could be sooner is actually quite a powerful thing. Are you aware of the optics of execution of what you're actually doing with how it actually may change the, the, the face of what leadership can look like in the future? Like, do you see yourself at the tip of a new spear? I don't necessarily see myself like that, but um, I can certainly see around and you know, when you look at some of the boards around how, how old they are and how they're not really willing to let go. And, you know, fast forward 20 years, I'm going to be a young person on the board still. So, <laughs> well, I think there's something to there where it feels almost like a lost opportunity with how much experience does exist 
but how much stubbornness and this is the way it's always been and just resentment mm. towards the future. There's this sort of push and pull. If you could break through that barrier of the egos of a lot of these old leaders who don't want to leave and actually be able to extract the IP and experience and value from it, future businesses mm. would be so, so, so much stronger and better. But it feels like there are many who have these walls of like, ego and arrogance and just bullshit sitting at the front of it which stops progress for the business out of their own selfishness yeah and it's uh, it it's probably in a way that it's it stops progress because they're not even willing to share those things either they go this is the way it's done it's like well why don't you say, like tell me why and then if they can say why actually be open to discussing why there might be a different way and learning from the younger or sometimes could be older younger or older having an open mind to be able to learn and go, well, this is why I'm doing it from based on the experience. And then the other person be able to say, well, based on my experience and just different, maybe there's a slightly different way that could end up with a much better result. I definitely get that. What gets you mo most excited about the next 24 months? Most excited. Um, I think, the world has been pretty crazy the last three years, and it looks like it's probably going to be another sort of 24 months of change in, in one way or another. And I guess that's probably an exciting thing as well as a challenge and an opportunity, knowing that, you know, we are facing cost pressures. We are, you know, businesses are going to start to fall over. People are going to change. Um, we could be going through a recession. We probably already are. Um, but that's also that's kind of exciting because it's one of those things like, you know, something that you don't like to happen, but I want to go through that experience, which is kind of a shit experience. And we've in the past read about recessions and, you know, our parents have probably been through them somewhat. Um, but now we're actually living and breathing it with something that you never think would happen, but as humans, that's kind of history never repeats itself, but sometimes it's kind of similar, right? <laughs> And this way, is, this one's going to be a bit different again. So it's an exciting 24 months ahead, which is scary, nerve-wracking, and it might be a bit shit too. Well, the point to it as well is, Leda, you know, you're talking about the pimples before. You want to go through it so you can experience it. You're seeing for the... the you're seeing it for the learnings of what can be, not necessarily the, like, yes, like you're excited because you know it will be difficult, which will challenge your headspace mm. and which will challenge your leadership, which mm. will challenge your communication skills, which will challenge the culture of an organization, which will challenge you commercially, right? Yeah, 100%. Just like that. Hey, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for locking in. Best of luck for the future journeys. Good luck keeping the buckets all balanced and I'll be seeing you at the, at, at the shred dome pretty soon to try those two sevs. Sounds good. Thank you. Shot, brother. Another one done for another week. That was Pablo Kraus, the CEO of Echo Store. Awesome hearing the insights around young leadership. Super cool thinking about, I guess, the journeys came from. The access to smart brains when he was younger is epic. How that manifests itself into a young leader getting access to smarter people is sooner. So, for all you young people out there, stop writing off old people. They know a lot of stuff, and yes, obviously the world's changed. They probably don't know how to do the green screen TikTok filter, so you can put yourself on top of all sorts of sunny beaches pretending you're some flipping LinkedIn, some, some Instagram model or whatever. The point is, 
there is a big wave change of opportunity that's happening with young leaders to get the experience of advice. And if you're older, stop being so flippin' stubborn and try and find younger people with enough self-awareness that actually want to learn what you know, that actually want to listen to the stuff that you need to say. Yes, there might be some nuances with how the execution is done on the commercial layer, but the point is they know, they if they are wanting to learn, shut up and tell them. Jeez, there's such a disconnect sometimes between this old versus young thing and it kind of pisses me off because I'm telling you, the older people I talk to, the more I seem to learn and know. So I think old people are definitely underrated, overrated, underrated, underrated, underrated. Um, but also there's a bunch of you stubborn bastards who just won't go anywhere and you're flipping just blocking and handbraking all the greatness that you could be passing on to others, which is selfish because you could make Aotearoa even better if you passed it on. Anyway, sorry, I feel like I'm going on a bit of a rant. Uh, epic, awesome banter. I hope your uh, rest of your week goes good. Whatever it is that you're doing, hope you're smashing it, going good and being great. Don't forget you can download the Rover app on wherever you're at there or um, hashtag RebetLive for the uh, on the podcast and Spotify's link or the, on the on the Apple Musics or whatever wherever the audio things are when you're doing your walks and you're doing your stuff there. And I'm also super easy to track down. Uh, you can get me on LinkedIn or Rebet.com wherever you need to go. A okay. Enjoy the rest of the day, team. Be good. Be great. See you soon. Peace.